0: started welcome to sabby sabs podcast on call in this is episode 37 breaking points china fear recently breaking points has warned viewers about china's growth and success and that the united states should be the economic power of the world how do you feel about u.s imperialism and fear mongering about china and i see we already have some callers lined up in the queue um
1: you guys said you're getting an echo let me mute and unmute
0: okay let's go ahead and take uh sam you're the first caller
2: hey Zabby, how's it going
0: hey sam, how are you
2: you're okay long time no talk i haven't been on calling for a while i was just in the middle of listening to your your uh, podcast pausing a little bit so i'm still in the middle of listening to it but so you came on, super excited to be here. Um, and two points I want to talk about in regards to this that I feel a lot of people aren't really, you know, people are distracted and um, they're focusing on little things that they hear and they can't get their mind off of them. Two points. Um, a lot of uh, the authoritarian measures that foreign countries, especially in the East, take um, is to prevent or prevent dissent via via United States and Western c i a interests so to prevent destabilization as um from within the country they have to prevent foreign operations from creating strife within their country similar similar to what's happened in the middle east libya um from from Mossadegh to more recent history um they want to prevent that kind of thing from happening we've seen what we've seen what happened in Hong Kong over the pandemic um that's just a, a light piece of what the CIA typically likes to do um so i would say it's pretty standard to be a little bit more controlling of information to prevent that type of destabilization from within and there's also destabilization around their countries nato the middle east um you can't, it can't help it, they can't help but have more control right uh, on the second point, um, what's currently happening in these countries um, between NATO and Russia and China specifically, and more broadly, Russia, China, India, and Brazil, um, we'll, we will see that what the EU is doing and the United States is doing right now, their pressure campaign um, and, and enforced scarcity, is trying to go back, apply enough pressure that China folds in supporting Russia as to prevent a new payment rails from emerging. Because the Western hegemony is based on making sure that we can extract value um, from these countries. And if there's a sudden shift, and it this is a shift that makes or breaks everything from white culture and Western imperialism. If we allow for that up and comments to happen in, within this decade, It is over for the U.S. dollar. And that doesn't mean the U.S. dollar collapses immediately. Everything else collapses first before the U.S. dollar because its strength and the amount of debt all these countries are under. Um, But a lot of people don't see how the mechanism works. So just bringing that up. Have fun, guys. Hope you enjoy.
0: Thanks for that, Sam. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, and I want to get your opinion about this as, as well, Sam, I'm just noticing a lot of fear mongering. And it's, I feel like I, I've experienced the same type of fear mongering after the war in Iraq, right? Like maybe after the war in Iraq, but after 9-11, I do remember this. And then all of a sudden there was a lot of, there was a lot of hate in this country toward people who were Muslim. I remember that. And it's just I, I worry where we are headed. And also the other the other question that I have is, why does the United States government have to be the economic power in the world? Why do we always have to be on top? Why is it you know, so awful or why do they consider it to be so awful for another country to even rise economically in, in the world? Why is it that we always have to be the ones that control and police the world?
2: So, incentives. Um, The United States and its perspective isn't singular in nature. It's the culmination of millions of people, right? Um, You can think of it as hundreds of thousands to millions of careerists that are all pushing, basically piling on top of each other, trying to get to the top, continuing what the person in front of them is doing trying to overcome that person uh, in front of them. You have careerists in place try, that are being um, pressured socially by the people around them to continue, perpetuate, pay off their own debts, to, to, to continue paying off their mortgage and, and doing whatever there is whatever they are doing. And they also want their stocks and equities to go up. You have social pressures all from all around to propagate and continue and there's social pressure, just like, for example, breaking points and these, these are, these are real people um, and, in, and their mindset is shaped by incentives. They want positions later on. They don't want to um, be ostracized with their views like, that, uh, like uh, uh, what's his name, Aaron Matei, the gray zone, these people that we love they are actually ostracized, right? Just like Noam Chomsky is ostracized by, by the U.S. media. So you have careerists that will continue because they want to be able to make money and have a house one day and have equity and retire and like support their families and not in a lower middle income out, um, like lifestyle, but they're hoping for more. And you're going to see that um, ha- pushing a narrative forward and a perspective forward And for the most elite in society that have really big, large interests um, and stocks, equities, you want to continue the system and push it forward. And there's no stopping it because it's not a single perspective. It's all of them together pushing it forward because they're fully invested and they want more. There's no way to stop it.
0: It's very sad to see it come from people who were a part of that Bernie Sanders movement, because it's the exact opposite of what Bernie Sanders was telling us to do. And it's it's just I don't know what has happened to a lot of the people that have come from that movement. It's like all of a sudden now it's, it's OK to take billionaire money. Now, all of a sudden now it's OK to say. And they've made these points before on breaking points as well. Well, yeah, you know, the U.S. should intervene if China goes to war with Taiwan. Like, it's it's okay to, for, for this type of rhetoric to be said by the same people who came from a movement that was actually telling you not to do these things. And I just feel mm-hmm. like now, all of a sudden, people tend to have amnesia. All of a sudden, people don't remember these talking points. And I'm just like, what is happening here? What has happened to everyone? And and my take is, is like, if that's the way that it is going to be, then what's the point of being a progressive? What's the point of being left if you're just going to follow and adopt these <laughs> neoliberal policies? Sabrina,
2: do you remember a secular talk like maybe like four or five years ago? Like these people that you you listen to, you know, oh man, I really agree with them. And then you'll like all of a sudden, like I don't even—I unfollowed them. I never want to hear from these people ever again. Like I give up. I'm done. Every six months, you drop another person. Like who's who's the biggest surprise for you that you can you've you've just you've left behind. You're tired of listening to.
0: Uh well, I actually noticed this about a year and a half ago, and that was uh, secular talk. And that was probably one of the first ones in left-independent media that I found, uh, that I used to watch. And I started to notice, like, even back then, I started to notice some of the talking points were starting to change. Uh, it wasn't as obvious as it is now. But now, it is it is more obvious. Um, I mean, also, I would say, you know, with, with Crystal and Sagar, I felt like when they were a part of Rising... Which it's weird because rising corporate, I felt like they came across more. I guess they're using the term populist. They came across more populist then than they do now. Because now I feel like I hear them making like some of these neoliberal talking points, and I'm like, where is this coming (laughs) from? And now you're independent, right? So now you, you should be free to say whatever you want. So why are you yeah. saying, why am I watching MSNBC? And why why are you repeating the same things that they're saying on MSNBC? That's questionable for me.
2: Yeah, see, when they when they actually finally actually start, like, get more ingrained within the system, have incomes coming from, from kind of all sides, whether small or big, and they're thinking about their views and being ostracized, potentially see these people being like... Um, blocked by paypal and all like they they subconsciously want to like veer towards the mainstream just a little bit um and i'll speak outside of it a little bit they, they've they've gotten to a relationship now right obviously kyle's younger he wants to make an income and like be you know responsible and mature and have a life together with uh crystal and it would make sense like veering towards the mainstream trying to create some stability in his individual life and that's why i say you see a culmination of perspectives move towards this like mainstream once once careerism comes into play and the need for stability in life um for oneself other than like oh social movements and this and that you'll see these people become indoctrinated and it's really really sad but you've got to leave them behind because their mindset's already shifting away from what's moral and right to um you know that that's great and all, but let's be realistic, okay, I have mortgage to pay, and that's what I'm thinking about right now,
0: so they're millionaires, yeah. Sam
2: <laughs> yeah and 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 how, they, much, have...
0: how much more do you need how much more do they need How much more can they get? <laughs>
2: So, and that's why I love you, Sabi. You're focused on what's like, what's real and good. Um, you give me hope. It's, your, it's people like you. And I love you and the whole, uh, uh, the whole um, your whole team. Um, I, I love Rom because he's outspoken in his own crazy wild way. But the fact that you guys are moral and ethical and you, you hold on to that, I hope you never let it go. I'm going to keep listening to you and supporting you. Love you guys.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate that. Okay, we have Eric. I'm going to make you the next
3: caller. Hey, Savvy. How you doing, Savvy? Hello. Hey, so I actually thought that this previous caller did a good job uh, kind of you know, questioning how is it that we are, how this becomes what it is. I don't think Sager and, and Crystal have changed their their stance on anything i think it's just coming is revealing itself as we move forward into this year and the same for secular talk i don't think these guys ever were about direct action you know in fact i think like you were mentioning about a year ago uh with secular talk he had an opportunity to push the envelope forward and actually say yeah you know what i'm going to stand up with these guys in unison and unity and come out for the uh, Medicare for all marches and just be forthcoming with actions and not just words. But it, he didn't do that. He regressed. And in fact, when he had his feud with, with Jimmy Dore, it just got worse. And now I don't, I don't even listen to him or breaking points, but it's, it's just more of them revealing themselves and to, to, to the previous caller's points in regards to how do we get to where we are? Because these guys are framing and I've listened to S- Sagard and Crystal Baxham, uh, anything related to China, they frame it in a way that's negative and almost like we need to be against them in a way now, they don't say it in that way, but in a sense, that's how they are framing, you know, the direction of their show in regards to China. Uh, and we don't need to do that. They should not be doing that, but they're doing it. And in fact, you know, people that follow the stock market. Uh, people that follow MSNBC, uh, any any sort of uh, financial shows, the end goal of, of anything related to the stock market is for us, the U.S., uh, to continue in power. Because if we don't, they see that as a negative result to everything that has to do with the corporations and how they make their money. So for anybody watching the news, in their mind, Savvy, they don't even question – uh, American exceptionalism. They just see that as part of the way it should be. Because I've also, you know, I've challenged a few people in regards to their perspective and, and you can't get past them. I mean, you can't get past the way they 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 frame the world of the U.S. that that we must be in power and that we'll, we must continue to be the ones that are uh, driving the direction of the world. Uh, and they, they cannot, you know, See past that it 's very difficult for these guys to see past that and and what 's interesting is that the majority of people that that have that perception are not millionaires. you know the majority of people are not billionaires those are a, a small fraction of the of the u s population and yet they are ingrained with thinking that having this mindset is going to help them well ultimately it's not helping us you know the everyday person uh our wages have not really uh, raised up you know relative to inflation re- relative to our buying power they've actually gone down or the, our buying power has gone down instead of going up uh we have less to look forward to that the newer generations uh they have less power to go out and buy homes because they're indebted to to, to the colleges and the universities so in a sense the system is cannibalizing itself at at the, at the behest of uh for instance, those in power, uh, the industrial military complex, uh, all of those guys are the ones that are actually winning, while the common folk, the majority of the population, is losing itself, and it's going to destroy itself. You know, over the next several decades, I am sure that it's going to happen. Uh, in part because countries like China, who cannot use their power militarily, so are doing good in the world, and that's how they're leveraging their muscle. You know, they're actually helping countries in, in Africa, uh, countries in South America. So, so you know, they're doing it, you know, to help themselves in the future, but they're doing it the right way. They're not actually going out to mass murder people and, and create wars, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, Eric. It's just really sad. You know, the question I have is at any point during the day when they, they make these comments ab- about China and they're usually negative comments. If you go to their channel and you look at the comment section on their China videos, the comments, even their own audience is telling them, stop. Yeah. So it's just like, so that that right there said something to me. I'm like, did their talking points necessarily change? Or is it just more revealing now? You, you brought up a good point. And so I think, like, do they think about the people who live in these countries? Like, when they say that they're for... You know, uh, the United States taking other countries resources when they say that when Sagar made that statement and said that he wants uh, the U.S. to be the global power in the world. Does he think about the people who live in those other countries and how they're affected in all of the war and all of the the intervention that the U.S. government has done to people in those countries and how badly those people are living in those countries now? I think Haiti is a great example. Haiti is a mess now. Yeah. Look at look at Afghanistan, the sanctions. They're starving people in Afghanistan. Look at Syria.
3: Yes. You know, uh, Sager, I, I, I think he's Indian, right? Or, or he, his, his, his folks are Indian. I'm not sure, but I think he is. Right. Am I correct in saying that or am I wrong?
0: No, I think that's correct. I think he said that before.
3: So, you know, for instance, you know, I'm a person of color. I'm not black, but I'm a minority. Uh, and innately i want to say innately because you know growing up and seeing the effects of dealing with just being different than the majority it, it does change your perspective on how you how you view life and, and I, fi- I always find it interesting with someone like him that he can reflect on his own his origins i guess you could say you know i don't know if he he grew up here his whole life or if he came here when he was a kid but to know that he's indian the majority of Indian people are very poor. There's a great deal of racism within their own ethnic uh, classes that they have in India. A lot to reflect for himself to look at how bad all those systems are for his own country, you know, his origins of, of, of the country that his family came from. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if he can reflect on how that, uh, that sort of use of power, how India's political system their classes system and how many poor people they have in India, he does how could he not relate to that, you know, and, and then reflect back on it just to pose it to the to, to America. Because that's what I do, you know, when I look at things, it's like I don't have to look very far to see the injustice when you have only a few people with power at, at the behest of the majority of people just not having anything, you know, just having very little. And when you start to analyze it in that way and break it down to your own family or the people that you came from, it's much easier to say, hey, man, I, this is wrong. You know, this is wrong. The system is wrong. We should not do this. And and, and once you start to break it down that way, I, I find that a lot of people then say, yeah, I got to really reflect on this, you know, because it's, it's not really this is not correct. So it's interesting that he takes okay. that approach coming from where his family may have come from. And not reflecting on, you know, the masses of people here in the U.S. And then, like, to your point, uh, the Chinese. Uh, it, it's wrong, you know, Sam, it, like you're saying. It's just, it's wrong. And instead of uh, instead of uh, breaking points moving forward, they've gone backwards. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if,
1: if it's... Oh. Oh, Eric... Eric, I don't know. Did I lose you?
0: I think I lost you, Eric. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Um, let me see if I can make you... Um. Shoot, where did Eric go? I can't find him in here. I could have made him a speaker if I can find him again. Oh, there he is. Um, Eric, I made you a speaker. Because I think um, you dropped out, so you just have to accept if you want to be a speaker. But while that's happening, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Mr. Scotty. Scotty, what's up?
4: Hey, Savvy. I saw uh, the—I didn't uh, get a chance to see your show tonight. I did see um, the one you did with JB earlier about uh, Jay-Z. I'm going to speak on that for a few minutes, if that's okay. Sure.
0: Yeah. Let me give people a heads up so they know what that's about. Um, JB and I did uh, a stream earlier today about uh, Jay-Z's comments about basically about wealth inequality in this country. And he feels like calling people, I guess, capitalists is a smear now. And he doesn't like when people say eat the rich. And me and JB and Rome were basically like, yeah, fuck you. (laughs) So go ahead, Scotty.
4: First off, this is who he's always been, been, like, he came up with the term, I'm not a businessman, I'm mean, a business man." like, he's literally telling you who he is, like, from, like, reasonable doubt to now, and also, um, like, there's, I remember when he did something similar, um, when Occupy Wall Street was gaining steam. He jumped on that, uh, and tried to use that, like, uh, Occupy were, like, selling t-shirts, like, as part of, like, their movement of, like, uh, support their encampment, and so Jay-Z t- took one of their shirts, and he crossed out the letter W, and put, uh, at, uh, like, it made it called Occupy All Streets. And he was selling it on his RockAware website as, you know, a way to co-op, like, another, like, movement, like he usually does. Then there is the whole issue with, like, and I'll say this. I have not watched a down of NFL football. First off, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. By the way, I'm Buckeye fan. 5 on uh, YouTube, by the way. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, so we're used to already watching college football anyway, so, but I, uh, after what they did to Colin Kaepernick, I just, I can't watch the NFL, and what he did by using Kaepernick and, like, stabbing him in the back of the way he did was just unforgivable, like, I can't, like, Like, I felt, like, so disgusted by what the NFL did to Kaepernick. Like, because I had already heard about the story of uh, Mahmoud abdul Rauf, And so, I, like, I already had that, like, in the back of my mind. Like, oh, they're going to do the same thing to him. And so, Jay-Z participated in that. And another thing that really kind of, (laughs) like... like, tip me off to that is the announcement of, like, the, this year's Super Bowl show, with, you know, Trey, Snoop, and Mary J. M. M. and Kendrick Lamar, and you're thinking, like, NFL's never had a, a hip-hop show outside of, like, Black Eyed Peas, but they're already a pop crossover group, and they decided to do this as a way to, counteract Colin Kaepernick so like there's that and he participated in that um there's the thing of him acting like he was part of the Brooklyn Nets' ownership like he like he was like he was just as equal in ownership as anybody else come to find out he owned a percentage of a percent Of the Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) And then he, yeah, and then he sold his share.
0: I think I remember that because people called him out for
4: that. I I think Cornel West called him out to his face when they did the uh, uh, Jay-Z decoded thing about his book, uh, like decoding his lyrics. And Cornel West called him out. And and Jay (laughs) kind of seemed uncomfortable about that. It's like, yeah, like, dude, like, why are you telling people, like, (laughs) your owner? Like, they were literally, uh, if you watch the documentary called Battle for Brooklyn, there's, like, uh, they had ads in Brooklyn of Jay-Z and the actual owner next to each other on a billboard. Like, yeah, like, Jay-Z is part of ownership now. Like, no. He's, I uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do remember that. I think you know one thing I will say when it comes to like these direct actions. Uh, it's action, gonna
4: be real. Yeah, um, it's gonna be really triggering. But I'll I'll just say um, I don't know if you know, but uh, uh Tiffany Haddish and Ari Spears have um, been accused of something of not so good with children. I'll just say that um what it, yeah uh well there's actually a video like they did this skit involving children um it was on funny or years ago and they immediately took it down and uh, uh tiffany haddish uh and uh aries are getting sued i like i'll i'll send you the article but um it, it's a it's a tough read. I'll just I'll let you know about that. But um yeah, have a good night. Oh my night. god. Yeah. But, okay. Right. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much, Scotty. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, the uh, Chateau, or uh, excuse me, the Chateau uh, Miramont in California actually finally won uh, their unionizing efforts. And Jay Z was Jay Z and Beyonce uh, were not on the side of the workers. And they basically walked past the workers that were on strike and decided to hold their event, their after hours um, Oscar show at the Chateau Muramount as well. And so he started to get criticism back then because he was basically like just worried about himself and worried about his wealth. So, yeah, me and Jay-Z and Rome, we had a lot of criticism for him today because he needs to understand not everybody can become a musician. Not everybody can can do what you did. So what are you doing with the billions? Because he's a billionaire now. What are you doing with the billions that you've made to help back people in your community that you came from? Nothing. You're just extracting more wealth and you're extorting people as, as well. So, yeah, we had some things to say, but he did a Twitter space where he was basically complaining about people calling him a capitalist and people saying that uh, we need to eat the rich. And DJ Khaled was in that Twitter space with him. And I was just like, really, of all people? So yeah, man, that's why I told you celebrities cannot lead, you cannot let them lead any type of movement. Uh, Tim, you are next. I think you just have to
1: hit the unmute button. Hello, Sebi. Hello. I, I
5: could have swore there was another caller before me. And my phone went like, to a dark screen, so I didn't i was <laughs> like, oh, shit, it's my third. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay, so first off, to answer the question, uh, yeah, the breaking points are imperialist. That's, that's what actually had me from... Pre- what made me turn away from their analysis of anything is when they started pushing all of this the China bullshit. Even before you Ukraine, you can go back and Sager was making stories about about China and how they were they were rising and becoming an economic power and how that's a threat to the U.S. empire. He didn't say U.S. empire, of course, but we all know what he meant. And that's when I was I started to turn off to their programming because I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. Like they're they're just pretending to be left, but they're they I almost see it as like sheep herding. You know what I mean? And it's and it's um, like moving the overton window. Like like they're trying to keep move keep moving the overton window right to to, to now like where you have people claiming to like Nancy Pelosi says, I'm a progressive, like, like, what the fuck do you mean by progressive? Because we ain't talking about the same thing, you know? And I think their type of programming does that, you know, or is designed to do that. And I think once they make that decision to, because I think, I think, I think when journalists start out, I think they start out with good intentions of being a journalist and, you know, like the whole Hollywood story thing where I break this story and I told the truth and I brought justice. And I think they truly have that, you know, a drive to want to do that. But I think at a certain point, they make a decision to become entertainment you know and and focus on being entertaining rather than telling the truth rather than you know actually fighting the power they just end up becoming stewards of the power and and you know covering for them and pushing their narratives rather than challenging the narratives and i think that's because they choose to to do the entertainment route just like how tucker carlson is entertainment according to how he argued in court the same as Rachel Maddow, entertainment, as how they argued their way out of a lawsuit in court. So they, they recognize themselves that they're doing it as entertainment, not as information, not as anything of the sort of, of a true journalist. They're doing it as entertainers, you know? And I think that's probably why Donald Trump is so successful because he does it as an entertainer. Gotta admit, the fucker is entertaining.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> <It's>. <laughs> Um No, it's just like um I guess, you know, my perception was once they announced they were leaving Rising and they talked about some of the things that Rising did, right? Which I don't mm-hmm. agree with. Just FYI for people listening. I don't agree with those things that Rising did. Um right. but I was actually excited when they said they were starting their own thing. They were going over to breaking points, they're gonna be a hundred percent independent. I was like great. Now they're going to be able to talk about whatever they want. They can bring on whoever they want. And then I hear these talking points about China, even some of the talking points about Russia Mm -hmm. and Ukraine, where they were way behind on what was actually happening over there and where the money was going and how it was being used. And some of the smaller content creators were right on that issue back when it first started. Whereas I think Crystal may be just now coming around to it. And it's like... Mm -hmm. No, like you have hundreds and thousands of subscribers. People are watching you because they expect you to give them the narrative that mainstream media is not giving the American mm-hmm. people. If you're repeating the same talking points as them, why well, just might as well watch MSNBC?
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And and that's my 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 thing. Is like I don't think I know for damn sure. I'm not smarter than Crystal. Like I know this. She's educated. She's well spoken. She has probably has a vocabulary three times of mine. I so I know she ain't stupid. So if she's sitting there and she's pushing these narratives, and I'm more informed than her, uh, bullshit. You know what I mean? And that's what gets me. Like I can understand. Yeah, I think I'm smarter than Chuck Todd. That dude, fucking imbecile. Like, but. You know, you come to other other people in, in, in the media, you know they're smart as fuck. Like Obama.
1: I know damn well. Uh-oh. Tim,
0: did I lose you? Tim? I don't know what
1: happened. Tim, we lost you. Oh,
0: no. Let me see if I can invite to speak. Okay. I invited someone saying in the the chat's really funny, Tim. Someone said in the chat that Obama just got you. I'm sorry. I invited you as a speaker. So if you want to be a speaker, you can accept that. But I'm going to go ahead and go to Rob while we sort that out. This app can be a little tricky sometimes, guys. Rob, what's happening?
7: not much sabby can you hear me all right i can all right great i just have a uh, a theory on bernie sanders i want to float out there because I, I think we're, we're like really distracted by him and i think i think that the truth needs to come out about what he was really all about and that he never wanted to be president anyway um but uh so like like everybody remembers in 2016 that was like magic bernie that was like there's a revolution coming and we're going to do everything we can for the little guy. And, and then, and then in like 2020, he seemed to like maybe go like 70% on that. Like he didn't seem to be as big into it. Right. And here's my theory. Like he, he knew he was never going to be president. He knew that it was Hillary's turn in 2016. And he was kind of just there for a, a little sideshow. show. And, and knowing that, knowing that he was never going to win, he was going to go all out and, like, promise us everything, you know? Like, I remember him standing on the back of a pickup truck in Manchester before the primaries, and it was, like, 2 in the morning, and he's, like, speaking to this crowd in the parking lot. Like, everybody was amped up. I remember giving money to him. You know, everybody's giving little donations, right? Because we don't we don't have a lot of money, and, like, we'd, we'd just give him the little bit we have to him, but it was so much that it, it ended up to a lot, right? So he's... uh. He he knows he he knows all this shit too, right? So this that's the fucked up thing is he knows that he's not going to be president, but he takes all this money from us, right? And but he doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't get to be president, right? But Hillary squeaks it out, right? So, and we're all like distracted by that, and then twenty twenty comes around, it's his turn again, right? And he's taking money from us again, right? But then all of a sudden he goes, you know what? I think Joe Biden should be president, like. What what kind of crap is that? Like I I I think he knew all the time. He never wanted to be president. the second time around he was like, I gotta do it because all these people love me and like they 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 were there for me in 2016. They expect me to do this, but like he was like, Oh geez, but I, I really don't wanna be the guy. Like I wanna you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the ball to Joe Biden here. His and I know all you guys gave me all this money, your hard earned money that you can barely afford to give me. But like you know, hey, vote for this guy, Joe Biden. He doesn't give a crap about you. He's not going to do anything for you. And I, I just think that's messed up thing. I think we need to realize that Bernie was really never there for us. He played us. And I think once we realize that, we can move on. Just get him out of the conversation, and and realize what the Democrats are like. He's really a Democrat. I mean, you can tell now he's full on Democrat. So. That's really all all I wanted to say. I just want to float that out there. I don't know what you think, but let me know.
0: Thanks so much for that, Rob. Yeah, it's really interesting. When I asked Chris Hedges about this, I asked him, why didn't Bernie Sanders start some type of third party movement after he lost in 2016 or in uh, 2020? And Chris Hedges said that he and Shama Sawant approached him about that. Uh, Jesse Ventura told me the same thing. He approached him about that. And Jesse Ventura approached him at the beginning of his 2016 campaign, and he said Bernie Sanders told him, if I lose, I will be supporting Hillary Clinton. And he said that's how he knew right then and there that Bernie was not serious about a real movement.
7: Yeah, I mean, and it it sucks, you know. It's like I I, I fell for it, and I think a lot of people fell for it, and it's like – I don't know. It's a, that's what our system is, and like you don't, you don't hear anything from him today. You know, you know he's not like coming out against Ukraine or anything. He's just like, just like every other Democrat right now. So it's like, what, what happened to that guy? What what happened to that 2016 guy? That's what I want to know. Like, yeah, that was that, he seemed like the real deal, and I, I fell for it. But wow, I, th- that
0: I think was, I got I, I got played hard. So I think so too, and I think Bernie Sanders owes me a lot of money because I donated exactly, a lot exactly. of money.
7: Exactly. To like that, that's that's the really messed up thing that he did. That like he he basically stole our money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we should be outraged, you know. It's 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 not right. Thank you so much AOC for that. She too
0: stole
5: our money. No problem. Yeah, Thank she
0: you. did too. Thank you so much. I'm gonna bring in uh, Ja. You are the next caller. Just have to unmute.
8: Hey hey now Savs. how you doing?
0: Hello, how are you?
8: I'm doing all right. trying to figure out what I'm gonna eat for dinner here. This has been a riveting conversation already. I'm loving it. um you know breaking points is interesting i I don't know i I feel like i i I actually take the, the person's point who was saying that they kind of. Oh,
1: they
0: uh, oh, jaw, oh boy, jaw, I'm just gonna make you a speaker. oh, there you are, my back, yeah, you're back.
8: Yeah, as far as breaking points, they've always been kind of lukewarm to me and Saga's always been real tough on China uh, just from the beginning. And I I guess I haven't paid much attention to them in months, maybe about six months. Uh, I used to be a donor to them and I kind of just didn't renew my subscription. I don't know, but I mean, my thing about this whole China thing is, okay, so you feel like we should be uh, you know, the number one empire <laughs> on the planet. What are you going to do about it? Really? Honestly? You're going to start another, you know, crusty-ass war somewhere? Like, I don't, I don't even understand, like, what's the point of even talking about this? What's the plan? If we really should be, uh, you know, the top nation in the world? Like, what are we actually doing to do that? Like, what? <laughs> we can't even get yeah. our shit together about education.
0: China we don't even take care opulus. of We don't even take care of our own people. Why exactly. are we why are we focusing on what what China is doing? We don't even take care of our people here in America.
8: Bingo. Absolutely. So I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't even know what to say, you know. I I will tell you this, I am learning Mandarin. Um, <laughs> you know, not solely because they're they're going to be the next um, you know, empire on the block, but You know, I have a lot of Chinese friends, so. But I I don't know. Uh, This this is. (sighs) Yeah, what are we gonna do? Yeah, I
0: had a lot of um a lot of my students were from China, and I used to ask them like, "How do you guys feel about this rhetoric, about your country? You know, it's just like, you know, I mean, they, like I said, most of them did not want to stay in the United States after they graduated. Most of them wanted to go back home. Mm -hmm. They told me they like look. In China, if I have uh, a degree from the United States, I'm pretty much guaranteed a job back home. So I kind of get it. In and, and a point, like, if you're pretty much guaranteed a job, and if, you know, they, they've worked on their homeless uh, situation in China as well, if you're, if you're pretty much guaranteed a job, and you feel like you're going to live better there, then I kind of get it. Like, you know, so should they be penalized for that?
8: Uh... No. And, uh, okay, this is weird to me. Why is it that when you go to an American university, you are like, what are we doing that is so, so goddamn special is my question.
0: It's more so the fact that you got a, uh, you got a degree from the United States, whereas like our degrees are pretty much accepted, I think pretty much everywhere
8: to be and why because they're expensive you know like what <laughs> that, could be, that could be part of it <laughs> that's what i'm saying what is this i that's very interesting to me yeah i mean i have friends that are both critical of china um and you know they're like it is what it is i mean there's I don't know, and then you hear about those polls that they talk about where they're like, people, Chinese people feel like their government is more responsive um, to their needs than Americans do, despite our sort of rhetoric around how they have significantly reduced freedoms. And of course, some of that stuff is true. Like, I don't know, maybe they can't get their, their big titty porn out there, to quote the boondocks. Um, shout out to Aaron Magruder, it's a name we don't hear very often anymore. But I, feel I like love we that show, isn't it amazing? And mm-hmm. they canceled the fifth season, man. Again, the Boondocks, my dude, dirty.
0: The Boondocks did you know, said a lot of things for me. I think he said a lot of things for a lot of people that we may have felt like we couldn't have said. Oh, big time. Absolutely, and early.
8: Nobody was nobody was talking about that stuff in in that sort of a space. Way early. We gotta give that guy a the story. R
5: Kelly episode.
8: Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's all I got to say, Savs. I'm a,
0: I'm gonna dip on out of here. It's nice talking to you. Thanks so much, Ja. All right, Tim. Uh, what were you saying? Because I know you you cut out. So I wanted you to give a chance to. To finish what you were saying, uh,
5: let me clear my throat. No, <laughs> um, what I was saying was, I know that Crystal's smarter than me, and 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 these, you know, a number of these reporters, and when I hear them push the narrative, when and when it when it has been. You know, wholly debunked, like let's say RussiaGate, for instance. Like when I when I see them do that, that that then makes me, you know, lets me know that they're not a trustworthy person. Like I know they're and purposely being deceitful, and that to me is is immediate. You know, just okay, done. Like they I, I don't take any word coming out of your mouth about whatever it is. Like it's just you know, I I see you now as a puppet for the
0: state. Yeah, that's a good point, Tim. I mean, I'm going ahead and bringing Watson, but, uh, you know, my question, too, and Watson, this question is for you, or you guys can tell me in the chat, I don't know, have they ever had anyone from Grey Zone on Breaking Points? Have they ever had anyone from Black Agenda Report, like people who cover imperialism and war? Have they had those people on?
5: They might have had Aaron Matei for... A thing. I think he might have been on there early, early in the show. I'm not confident though. But I, I can't really think of anybody else.
9: Whoa. Yeah, I Whoa. The app can hear booted you. Booted me out. Sorry. I can hear you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. That the app booted me out. Uh. I guess that was Obama trying to get me early. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, I I watch Ryzen. Um. I missed out the question you were asking. So what were you asking again?
0: Oh, Do you know if they've had on anyone from the gray zone, like Max Blumenthal, Aaron Maté, Ben Norton, when Ben was still part of gray zone, if they've had anyone from gray zone or anyone from black agenda report, like Margaret Kimberly or Danny Haifong, have they had any of those people that are anti-war and anti-imperialist on breaking points?
9: Oh man. I want to say, I know I've heard um, one of them talk about Max Blumenthal but I don't think, I don't remember seeing him on there. So that would be interesting, or Aaron Monte. Ah, huh, that's a good question. But I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I do watch Rising. I uh, did not see today's show on China, but I uh, had a couple uh, things to say about just China. I've been to Shanghai. Um, and, um, uh, I, uh, also, uh, wasn't a Marine Corps, uh, joined when I was 16. Um, and it's interesting cause they, you know, they don't teach you anything about history of, uh, uh, that you would learn if you, when you get out and go you know, read about things. So we were actually in China It's called the Boxster, the Boxer Rebellion. So China, you know, fighting against Chinese, you know, back in the late 1800s. And, um, uh there's a there's a book that came out this year called the uh Gangsters of uh capitalism. Kinda outlines the history of American imperialism really through the eyes of uh a famous Marine named Smedley Butler. And it goes all the way from China and goes through Philippines, Cuba, Nicaragua and goes to Haiti like what you were saying earlier. And it's the it's really you can see Our history of exploitation, learning how to be good imperialists, really, Uh, and the exploitation gets stronger. And really, um, we learned how to manage blowback. So it looks like we're not the ultimate bad guys, but we really are. Uh, Even going all the way when people talk about Haiti now, Haiti is completely because of us. Um, We would completely destroy that place. And it was kind of our uh, culmination of learning. Uh, how to manage blowback because Americans don't like us to be imperialists, and so they manage that um so uh here's a a, a question for for um, i guess really one I would like to ask Sagar what kind of government it would be good at resisting American imperialism, given how effective we are in South America? Central America, um, and even take a look at China, if China didn't really become closed, and it's like, say, Cuba didn't become closed, wouldn't they just have been exploited like Africa? So I don't know how, to me, China is the way they are because of the West, it says American imperialism, but you know there were two opium wars where the West was just dominating, just destroying China. And uh, so they were just like, okay, well, we're gonna have to be able to resist coups and all this stuff. We're gonna have to be close. So that, that's how I I look at the whole China thing. And then uh, something to bring up about Jay Z and Nas—they uh, had a song named "Black Republican," so you shouldn't be surprised about some of their beliefs. Huh. Um,
0: that that explains yeah. a lot. Yeah, that explains. <laughs> I you know I I wonder too. You know, I haven't lived like you were military. My dad was in the military. We lived in Germany. So I've been to other countries in Europe as well. And it is a completely different life. And it's like they put the people in the community first. Like, why is it extreme for us to to ask like the government to give everybody health care in this country? Why is that considered extreme here? But it's not considered extreme there. It's just, it's just these little things. And it's like, I, I've learned so much about like American imperialism, how we've stolen resources from a lot of these countries. Look at what's happening in Ethiopia now. It's just, you know, we're, we're only, most of the time we are in these places because there is a resource there that we need or want to control. And I don't understand how people, especially Americans, how we can think that that's Okay.
9: Yeah. Yeah, you say most and I struggle to find the examples where uh we're not in a country to do something and oftentimes I think we will go to a country just so that we can have an excuse to say, Okay, we did our good there, now let's now we have thirty years of exploitation we can do like uh Somalium. I think mean, we just there just so that later on we can say, Oh, now we can do whatever we want. because uh, we tried to try to do a good deed there which okay, we couldn't do anything. So we're out here, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's kind of um, what I think about. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well said. And then they, then Mm -hmm. what kills me is then you have Americans, some Americans will get upset and say, why are all these immigrants coming here? I'm like, "Mm, have you been to their countries? Do you see what they're fleeing?
9: We you know what know why, they why? we did that to their country. <laughs> like Same what South countries East. are you talking about? We did that. If it's South America, Mexico too. Yep. Mexico too. We completely messed with Mexico. It, I have to say it was Marines. Like most people don't know, we were down there fighting, fighting in Mexico, and for basically again for oil, so that American oil companies can dominate. It's in that book, "Angry to Capitalism." But yeah, I <laughs> this. Most people and I, well, I would say I'll add this. I like going when people. I don't like looking at the examples now because they can be kind of conspiratorial and stuff. Like we talk about, you can just, you can find you can read things now, but it's just not as clear as if you go back to like 1920. You have letters from a general to his wife, and you have everything from Woodrow Wilson, and you know at, between them talking with their families. There's no question on the intent of what we're doing and it's kind of like okay since we were that bad at that point when did we start being good if we're the good rulers when did we start getting good 1950 is that what it is and it just so happens that okay now things are uh not as open because things are more sealed you know it will take another 50 years before you can get all the letters from everyone so i don't know I, i do not think another thing with china yeah, okay, China uh looks like they're going to uh stop all democracy in Hong Kong or whatever, like that kind of thing. But where has China done any type of colonialism outside of their like mainland? Like do they try to do that in Africa? Do they try It's really just the West. So mm-hmm. I don't really I don't like you They really don't have democracy in China. Like you go there, even the smallest little village doesn't have, like, everyone, let's vote who's the mayor. No. Like, they they call it Western democracy. They don't believe in it at all. Like, the government there doesn't. But they don't really go and force that in all across the the world. So I don't really know. I don't think of them as uh, worse than us. Because we will go and say, if you have anything of value, that's ours. We're going to do all of our manipulations, have coups and all that, and just take it and do whatever. And if you try to elect someone that's going to nationalize the oil or whatever, you're enemy number one, Venezuela or Iran from the 70s, totally, Um, in the front of everyone's face. And we do – most of the people in the United States think Venezuela is a completely evil place. It's not because they're all oh, they're doing bad. Well, yeah, we have sanctions against them. Of course, they're doing bad. Well, Cuba's doing bad. Yeah, we have sanctions against them. You know, we're, we're making the whole planet sanctioned. If we wouldn't do that, they'd be really good. They'd probably be doing a lot better than most places. So, yeah.
0: Hmm. Well said, Watson. Thank you so much yeah. for calling in. I'm going to bring in yeah. uh, Gabriel. Okay, Gabriel, you are the next caller.
6: Yeah, I just want to continue on the a little bit of the conversation you had just there and then with Jha. Um So United States imperialism is alive and well. Um, their p- plan is the same that they've always done in order to um, keep our our preemptive world power, um, or hegemony, is to import bodies. Um, that's why they're pushing climate change. Uh, if you Google one billion migrants climate change, you're going to see hundreds and hundreds of articles. Um, the starvation that they're causing with the war in Ukraine um, is also part of the uh, plan in order to uh, force into people into refugee status. Um, everything you're seeing from replacing Khan in Pakistan, uh, Haiti, uh, you know, the president was assassinated. Um, you have issues in Sudan. You have issues in or South Sudan. You have issues in Nigeria. Um, everywhere that there's um, any rumors or hints that the CIA had any... Um, hand in replacing any kind of world leader, um, it's more than likely true. Um, So, yeah, again, the plan is to increase, um, if you're familiar with, I'm assuming you are, Sabrina, uh, familiar with Matty Iglesias and his book about increasing the U.S. population to a billion people. That is what they're targeting. um, And that's how they're going to keep it alive.
0: Wow. Wow. It's so crazy. This is so crazy. Well, thank you so much, uh, Gabriel. Um, I think we're going to,
1: uh, Sinwe, you are the next caller. You just have to hit unmute.
0: Yeah, this is, it's all crazy. I just, I really hope that Americans don't start to fear, uh, you know, Chinese people from China the same way that people started to fear Muslim people after 9-11. That's what worries me so much about the fear mongering. They're evil. These are evil people. Oh, Simway, you just have to unmute.
1: I don't think I can unmute you.
0: I'll just uh, invite you to speak as a speaker and I'll circle back or you accept that one and you should be a speaker. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and move on to bad. You're the next caller. Just have to unmute.
1: No, I don't know if uh,
0: bad can unmute. I can invite you to speak as well. Like I said, this this app is finicky. Let's see if we can bring in uh, Rodrigo.
10: Hey, savvy? Can you hear me? i can hi how's your night going
0: it's going great i'm just you know trying to chill and also get ready for camp data so
10: of course um yeah i enjoyed your stream today um i wanted to ask i guess firsthand uh what's your um what's your opinion of breaking points if i may ask
0: I think, to me, Breaking Points kind of... So, originally, I thought Breaking Points was going to be a more bolder version of... Yeah. I can hear you. Hold on one second, Bad. Uh, In the beginning, I thought that Breaking Points was going to be a bolder version of Rising, right? I thought that since they were now independent and they were on their own, we were going to hear more bold statements more bold ideas and it almost seems like they have actually become it, it almost appears like they, they sound a little bit more like mainstream media and less bold than they did when they were on rising which is is somewhat strange I, I don't i don't i don't get it um i know that they're trying to be like uh i guess like the next like tyt kind of thing and i you know i, I don't have anything against them having other people join and stuff like that i think that's a smart idea. Uh, But I I have to wonder like, what, what is it at this point? Like, what is breaking point supposed to be? Like, what is the message? Like, and I I understand that, you know, they do have people that are a part of it. For example, Sagar is not left. I totally get that. And I knew he wasn't left when he was a part of, of rising, but I feel like if you're crystal and you are the left voice on that show, you need to push back on some of these right wing talking points that Sagar has, and I felt like when she was on rising, I felt like she did that more, but I've heard Sagar make some comments about war and about China, and Crystal would just sit there and nod her head, and I'm like no you're you're supposed to represent the left voice in this space. You need to push back and get a left perspective, and I don't see her doing that anymore, so I have to ask like what is the point what is the point of breaking points? Rodrigo? Rodrigo? I'll have to... I'm going to invite you to speak, <laughs> uh, you Rodrigo. Me? It might be easier. Oh, there you go. I can hear you. Oh, I think I... Can you hear me now, Sam? Yeah, I can hear you now.
10: Um. Yeah, uh, I was saying that... You know, I, I don't know anything about breaking points. I can only speculate what, they, what they're what they trying to do. I don't have any proof. But one thing that always stood out to me is um, I feel like Crystal, you know, the, the lefty on the show, she never, I feel like she never learned her lesson. It's always the same story. Like, for example, uh, Crystal was a Russia Gator. And I would feel like if you're a, gen- a genuine human being trying to make sense of the world, at some point, you would pause and think, you know, I was wrong on this. For the longest time, I was pushing this this narrative about Gate that the mainstream media was ultimately wrong on. And I feel like it's the same story every time. Like, uh, For example, with the trucker protests in Canada, then the vaccines, and now the war in Ukraine, um, I just feel like Crystal is always like... She never pauses and examines that, you know, I was wrong on this. And these people that I thought were wrong were ultimately correct. Maybe I should invite them on my show just to hear out the other side. Like, for example, um, the gray zone. Um, so I don't know, I guess stuff like that stands out to me. It just makes me feel like they're not, um, I guess they're, they're trying to stick to, a lot. they are an of kind of like mainstream media. Whereas someone like Brianna, for example, even though I have disagreements with her, I feel like she's a genuine human being trying to make sense of the world and learns on stuff she was wrong. But um, I, that's just something that always stood out to me about breaking points. I feel like it's, yeah, it operates on narratives as you were uh, kind of alluding to in the stream today.
0: Yeah, for me, it's just, where's the pushback? Like, I mean, like, look, I mean, you guys have seen this. I've brought people on that I don't necessarily agree with. And I may not get it right every time, but there's some kind of pushback there if they're saying those kind of things. And I think to me, it's just like, why do you have, like, it's okay. I want to say this to everyone listening. It's okay to push back on someone, even if they're a guest on your show and they choose not to come back onto your show because you did that, well, then that's their loss. They have to be willing to take criticism, especially if it's a politician or a a candidate. I'm sorry, but if you're going to be a politician, you're going to get criticized. So you have to be willing to like deal with that. And I think that, I don't know. It just seems softer now. Like I said, like if you go back and you watch some of those other rising uh, episodes when it was Crystal and Sauger, I felt like there was way more pushback with some of these guests that came on the show. And now it's just kind of like, huh, okay, well, all right. <laughs> like, I'm like, what is this man? Like <laughs> they do, they do that on MSNBC. They do that on CNN. They, they have people come on. They'll have like uh who was on there recently? Iona Presley, and I told you guys about this. I'm like, how you let her come on here and tell this flat-out lie about the racial wealth gap? There's no pushback. That's why they keep coming back on. That's why they come on the MSNBC. That's why they come on the CNN. That's why you don't see a lot of these, uh, even the progressive members of Congress, you don't see them come on independent media anymore. They don't want no pushback. So it's like, for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out again, what is the point? Of breaking points, and if and if this is the way that it's going to be, and you're not going to push back when people make these these liberal talking points, these right wing talking points, if you're not going to do that, then what's the point of being progressive? I don't get it.
10: Well said, Tavi. Well said. Yeah i <laughs> I still watch them from time to time just because I think there's still some segments that are worth watching, but. Yeah, it always stands out to me the fact that yeah, Crystal never learned her lesson, and it's kind of the same story with mainstream media like CNN. You know, like CNN never pauses to, like for example, they push the weapons of mass destruction and never never stop to say like, hey, we were wrong on this. They just kind yeah, of okay. continued along, trusting uh, the intelligence agencies. Uh, it kind of gives me that mainstream media like vibe. Like as you were mentioning, that's my. <laughs> my thought on breaking points.
0: Thanks so much. Uh, bad, uh, you want to go ahead and unmute yourself because I know you were right before Rodrigo.
11: Can you hear me, Savvy? Am I coming in okay?
0: Yeah. Fantastic.
11: Uh, good evening. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Um, uh, I believe that breaking points is indeed imperialistic. And there's three points that I have that I feel support my reasoning. Uh, the first one was, uh, I believe it was even your video where you spoke about the breaking points poll that said, uh, should America help Taiwan or should America defend Taiwan from China? It was something of that nature. And it was surprisingly in like the 70 percentile.
0: Oh, it was uh, should uh, should America uh, intervene? Should we should we intervene with? Uh, yes. With China, basically. Yeah,
11: exactly. Yes, it's it's. War profiteering, war mongering, and at that, at when I saw that poll, I was still subscribed to Breaking Points at the time because when they left uh, Rising, I thought, you know, these guys might be real independent media. You know, they're going to be cool cats, but no, it was a lot of bullshit. Uh, but when I saw that that poll, it was it was that first signal. Like, oof, you got me looking sideways at you because you know that that's a that's a red flag right there, my friend. Uh, the next one was a uh, cigar. Uh, when when cigar, cigar, uh, however you pronounce it, cigar, I believe. And uh, Token Marshall, his his little conservative friend. Uh, they're from a conservative think tank, and that was a when I found that out. That was a huge major red flag. Like, oh, these guys. No wonder these guys are so uh, war mongering. Is they're war hockey because it's it's what they want. The uh, the Republican Party has been profiteering from war for god knows how long since as far back as i can remember uh i can still remember desert storm when i was a kid and it was that even that was nothing war profiteering and when i heard whenever i hear them talk especially the the segment earlier with marshall and that guy with the giant forehead that was really aggravating because i'm like man you guys are so full of shit you guys are doing nothing but war war mongering this is not cool and the final point um, that i yeah. had uh <laughs> the final point that i had was uh crystal ball echoes a lot of cigar uh cigar's point of views and sometimes she stays silent when she shouldn't which to me is like it's consent it's almost it makes her just as imperialist as cigar because she's more than willing to support that warhawk attitude and that's completely unacceptable that was a third strike for me and after that, I stopped watching them, especially after they they smeared uh, Dr. Malone. That was the last straw for me was uh, when they sat there and smeared Dr. Malone. And the, the proper thing, and I think it's something RBN would have done, is have Dr. Malone on and have a conversation so that people can get the information and that's make right. up their own minds. You know, that, that's one of the most important things is, hey, this is the information. People, you guys are smart enough to figure this stuff out on your own. Some people are are batshit crazy. I'll admit that, but for the for the most part, people are saying, If if you make the the logical decision, you'll come to that point. So I I, I didn't like the way they treated Doctor Malone. I think if they were really populist, they would have had him on and discussed the situation rather than sit there and pull some bullshit DNC smear smear job. It was it was a smear job. It was terrible.
0: But I feel like two years ago, I feel like they would have done that. Like that's the that's, thing. Like. Yes. You know, I felt like they would have had him on rising and because and I don't think rising would necessarily <laughs> have said, well, no, you can't have this person on because, look, Kim Iverson was on rising and she echoed some of the same things that Indeed. Dr. Robert Malone said. So it's just you have to have these conversation like with these individuals, like give them a chance to explain like their side. And, and for people wondering from those of us at RBN, we've reached out to most of these people. Like all these people that you've heard us like talk about trust. We've reached out to them.
11: They don't want to come
0: on. So it's like.
11: Sebi, there's one thing I know for a fact is that RBN ain't no fucking front. You guys, like I I say it on the chat all the fucking time. You guys are straight legit. You guys are the only ones out there in the entire space saying, hey, let's get out and serve our fucking communities. Nobody's saying that. When the fuck have you ever heard Crystal come out of her little fucking cave and say, oh, we got to go help the people. To her helping a people is giving the bum down the street a five dollar bill. Here you go. I feel like a good Christian woman today. Let me go fucking drink my Starbucks coffee in my billion dollar mansion, you know? It's it's upsetting. It's not it's not proper.
0: Yeah, it's just it's it's weird. I don't know, sometimes like I hear them say, you know, working class issues, but I'm like, but are you talking to working class people though? Yeah. Like, I, no. I'm, like I'm sorry, <laughs> but like how do you know what working class people want and you're not talking to those people? Why are you nope. bringing on these elite academic professors to, to speak for working class people they're not working class well look at chunk yogurt he's got working
11: pla- uh, class people in his tyt network he doesn't talk to those people i i guarantee you chunk yogurt isn't interacting with his folk
0: no well i mean they didn't even want well more so him i can't speak for the, <laughs> the other people at tyt but he didn't even want them to unionize yeah How what the hell is that him? cool it just, it, I'm like, what is really happening here? So again, like, this is why oftentimes you'll hear me bring up the class issue because I hope more mm-hmm. people are waking up to this and they're seeing the same things that I'm seeing. Like what, where are the voices of the working class? Where are the voices of people who are living in poverty? Where are uh, those people?
11: Oh, uh, those voices are silenced, marginalized, and discredited it's on the simple basis that, you cannot allow the populace to hear those voices because if you do, it'll stir uh, revolutionary actions the same way RBN, the RBN network is doing. They don't want your voice getting out there. You know that very well. That's why YouTube tries to silence you. Uh, the, the same working, the working people, the, the, the working class, everyone that's poor, we all have pretty much the same idea. We're screwed. We're getting fucked. Help us out. And nobody wants to bother listening. Nobody wants to listen. Why? Because as soon as you listen to it, you have to acknowledge, for a, the failures of capitalism. Second, mm-hmm. uh, the complete, complete disregard to people's uh, well-being in this country because we're completely selfish in this United States. And lastly, they they just. I'm sorry, I lost track of thought. I brain farted. Um, I'm sorry, Savvy. Uh, that that was my idea. Those those were my thoughts. Thank you for listening.
0: Awesome. Okay, um, I'm bringing in, I think I pronounced your name as Bide. You just have to. You got me- it.
12: Yeah. You got it. <laughs> 100%. How you doing, Sabs? Doing great. Cool. Um, so I agree with a lot of the, the criticism that Breaking Points has gotten. I don't think they're completely uh, mainstream, or I don't think they should be lumped into necessarily being... Uh, anti-working class, especially when uh, they've had a lot of working class people on, actually, comparatively to the mainstream. Now, it's not like, uh, it's not the degree to which it needs to be, but the working class doesn't have representation in really any media to the degree that it needs to be. But they've had, you know, they obviously had the uh, Chris Smalls on during the Amazon union strikes. They had the union workers from uh, Starbucks who were organizing. They've had people from different minds. uh they had the, uh, I don't know if it was attractive people, but the people down in Bessemer, Alabama, I don't know if it was the, there's some kind of mine or something from Oklahoma that they just had people on who were union workers there. So they've definitely had more exposure to people, uh, to actual working class voices on their show. Is it the degree to where it needs to
0: be? No, but neither is anything right now. Um I, I. I well, I just want to uh, just let me jump in here for just a second. What do all those people have in common? I, they're all people. Yeah. They're all people that are trying to start a union, right, or have started a union. Correct. The labor issues, right? Okay. Yeah. What about the people? And I say this because um, this is probably one I think of the biggest issues that a lot of people are dealing with in this country right now, which is the housing issue. What about the people who have been evicted? the people who've been kicked out of their homes. What about poor people? I'm talking about people living in poverty. I think Are... we've had a segment, or at least I remember seeing
12: at least one segment of people during the eviction crisis um, while COVID was happening. But again, here, here, my main point with breaking points and with media generally is, I take, I take Noam Chomsky's approach to media. Um, people... People are, you can't expect all people or all media networks to be all things. I think that's just not how people work. That's not, even if they're, you know, whether their intentions are to directly silence those voices or not, people have their blind spots. I am terrible with most foreign affairs because I'm a dumb American and I spend most of my time doing domestic policy stuff and focusing stuff here. Uh, I don't know very much about, international relations. I don't know very much about what's going on in a lot of different countries. So those are my blind spots. Doesn't mean I don't care about those things. I mean, like, I guess to some extent, but I think we make a mistake when we expect every media outlet to be all things. And I think, you know, when when Noam Chomsky is going over media, he's taking media uh, with a critical eye. I think if we have media literacy, if we look at something like Breaking Points and know that they're not going to be as well-informed as they should be on China. They're going to be a little more imperialist when it comes to their takes on China. We know that they're not going to show certain voices. Then there's still value we can get out of that program in the same way that there's value you can get out of uh, reading the Wall Street Journal if you know what to look for. Um, So I don't necessarily, you know, it's not like, I'm not like out here like stomping for them or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think that's that's something to consider. and I do think, you know, I try to I, I try to think of my politics a lot of the times as not necessarily a coalition builder, but like where can we make the most development on on certain issues? And I do know that uh when it does come to stuff like unionization and and maximizing labor power and and bouncing those scales, I do think that breaking points would be allies in that fight. Uh it's yet to be seen. Uh, you know. But that's somewhere where we can agree on down the road, right? When it comes to China, no. Uh, I, I guess on China, the one thing I would say, I it's pretty clear to me that my that a lot of the uh, almost all U.S. media on China is just propaganda and really negative and not a very good depiction of. China's actually motivations or their policy goals or anything like that. that being said, I am still wary of of China, partly because of that, just because you know i an American has been exposed to a lot of propaganda but really i I worry about their expansion efforts into Africa because there has been some uh i don't know like belt and road initiatives and they've they've shown quite a bit of presence there, and there seems to be quite a bit of interest in their expanding out. Uh, they've given a lot of loans to African countries. Now they've done, they've forgiven a lot of those loans, uh, which is nice. And you know, maybe they're just trying to build up workers there. I don't know, but I do know that uh, there are a lot of Africans in a lot of these different countries, uh, countries in Africa, who are skeptical of their presence there. Uh, and there, there's there's some kind of intentional effort on behalf, on behalf of their government to expand out into uh, Africa. And uh, I don't, again, it remains to be seen what that's going to be, what, what the character of that's going to be. Um, what about the U.S. presence in Africa? Oh, I am not, here's the thing. When I say China's in Africa, I am not excusing the U.S. in Africa. Fuck the U.S. in Africa. Let me be clear. But I'm skeptical of power generally. I'm skeptical of just uh, imperialism generally. I apply that same critical eye to my nation as I do to every other nation. So what I'm saying is, I'm not I'm not excusing any of America's actions, and America's actions are military and ruthless, and the history is uh, incomparable in the damage they've done to Africa versus China. That being said, it doesn't mean that I'm going to give China a free pass. I need to see it. Like that's that's how I'm going to treat every single nation, every single state that interacts or expands into another territory. And I think that's to me. Uh, maybe it's because I've had my heart broken many times. I find I find safety in that. I find an idea of uh, it's better to have like a, a critical eye and let someone prove you wrong. Uh, and again, I'm not. It's incomparable. Like, just let me be clear. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to make an excuse for America being there. But I'm not. Uh, China's got to show me, right? Like I have to. They have to earn my trust, especially when we do know certain things about. China right now, right? Like we do know there is there is a level of social control. There is a level of um the state having all power and being able to uh outlaw certain dissenting voices. That's that's should be something that we look at with skepticism. That should be but something we have, that we look at
0: with a critical but eye. But we do the same but we do the same thing. Absolutely. But again, so how the fact that I we do the same thing is still bad, right? Like right, the, but that's, that's so we... right, but I think that's my question. Who are we? Right, but do you see the problem? Who are we to criticize China for outlawing dissenting voices when we do the right. same thing to people right here in the United States?
12: Yeah, well, Sabs, we're the people. We're the people who are supposed to be keeping the states that do that in check. The powers that do this stuff on our behalf. I don't want them doing it on my behalf. So I I condemn it when I see China doing it. I condemn it when I see my own, my own, with quotations, nation doing it. Like, it's not that, uh, look, if I could run the state, then we wouldn't be doing it. If we could run the state, if the people actually had the power, then that would be outlawed. But we can't just say that because our nation does it, that we can't criticize other nations for doing it. The problem is in the doing it, is in the nations actually doing it. That's, that's the oppressive as- aspect of it. You see what I'm saying? So, I'm not again, I, I I'll criticize anybody who's doing that because it's just wrong. Uh and it's not I want the people to be free, right? So, if 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 any if any state is doing that, on my behalf or not, I'm I'm calling it out. Um and then I guess the last thing I say about Jay-Z uh that dude is man, like here, I don't know. I, I Part of me, Jay-Z, man, it's, it's disappointing, but I'm not surprised because this nation has been very good at stamping out voices, especially Black voices, that engaged in systemic critiques of capitalism, that had the knowledge base to actually call out the system for the oppressive thing that it is. Right? You know, the Black Panthers aren't here anymore. Uh, they were stamped out. Fred Hampton ain't around anymore. He was killed. Uh, That kind of dissenting voice, that kind of knowledge base, that kind of structure that we would have that would maybe give a lot of Black Americans or, you know, people growing up in these neighborhoods uh, a different lens with which to actually view their oppression and the oppression of their people as systemic. Those things are gone. They've been stamped out. We're trying to rebuild them, but they're gone. Jay-Z is a product of that system, too. And a big product of that system was this hustle culture. You have to make it. Make it no matter what. Everything that you get is yours. Everything that you rise to is yours. This is the kind of manufacturing of consent that America wants us to have, that the powers that be want us to have. And they want to elevate the voices like Jay Z, those people who make it. And look, I I give him a lot of credit for getting to where he got to, too, you know, but like, I'm not surprised that his mindset is what it is, given that he's at the point where there's sort of this funnel within capitalist America that makes you believe that everyone is where they're at because they didn't work hard enough. Or if you make it this far then you're supposed to make it. And I think we always, you know, like I, I don't really believe in uh I, I I find it hard to believe that anybody, no matter how hard they work, no matter how brilliant they are, no matter how fucking like awesome of a person, how really talented they are that they actually, quote unquote, like deserve it from like their hustle or grind, because everything, there are so many factors of just luck, and and just f- things that we don't decide. And so many things are outside of our control, that just have to fall into place that have to sort of happen for people to get to where they get to. So it's nice that you accomplish something. I'm not trying to take away people who are trying to work and like get to somewhere or whatever. But like, you know, I am not just a product of my own work. I'm the product of a lot of fucking luck and not getting, you know, uh, not finding a cop on the wrong day who just happened to, you know, see me and think that he, I could be a victim, not like being born in certain areas, not like all, all that shit. So like, I, I'm not surprised that Jay-Z has a mindset that he has now, uh, because there, there is a sort of the system is made to give people that mindset. The system is made to funnel people into that. And since we don't have the same sort of systemic analysis, uh, like homegrown base of of like a community structure that we had here, it's just propaganda doing its work, you know. And I, I think you know that's why I like a lot of what you're doing at RBN. I like a lot of the ideas. You know, it's, it's important to rebuild that base that is seeing the system for what it is. Because I think, I think a lot of justice is taking as much luck out of the equation as possible for people. Like the, the idea that people just being alive deserve certain things, deserve to be taken care of. As long as we can produce what we can produce here, the kind of wealth that we can actually produce with the machines that we now have, the capabilities that technology provides for us, then there's no excuse for people to be homeless, right? There's no excuse for people to not have access to healthcare when we don't have to have that kind of scarcity anymore for certain things. And, and to get people back to that mindset, there has to be an alternative sort of messaging and propaganda that is provided to them. And for someone like Jay-Z, who's coming up just in hustle, hustle, you gotta sell crack to get out, you gotta do this to get that. I don't blame him for thinking well, I, you know, I still you still have to, I guess, kind of blame him. But, like, I'm not surprised that he thinks these things now, you know, coming from where he comes from, getting to where he got to, and being sort of this uh, survivorship bias uh, of, of hustle culture. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. My thing with Jay-Z is that every time there was a chance for him to stand with... Especially the black community per se, Jay Z chose the other side. He stabbed Colin Kaepernick in the back and joined the industry that basically black blacklisted uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, yeah, he went correct. against the, the workers that that were on strike at Chateau Chateau Maramont. Uh He went against them. Even Spike Lee joined the workers. It's like you, you know. It's it's very clear to me. I think his mindset is more so like I got mine you get yours. And I think that's a big problem uh yeah. that I see with a lot of people that grew up in poverty and now they're rich. It's like they they like to tell that story. Yeah, I grew up poor. But what are they doing for the people in the community that they grew up in that are still poor? What are they I doing to help up, uplift those people? So I think that's that's very important. In reference to uh media spaces, I can't speak for everyone else but I don't expect media to be everything but I will say that I have watched you know left independent media for a long time and if there was one thing that I think needs to change I think they I, I really would like to see them talk to people that are not a part of their class and I'm I'm glad that they brought on like unionizers and stuff like that a lot of people have yeah. been doing that more so I will give kudos to that but don't just bring them on when they're trying to unionize or they started a union or something like that. Like bring them on the same way that you would bring on Cornell West, the same way that you would bring on David Sirota. Like these people matter too. And, And I feel like it's, it's very classist. And those of us at RBN, most of us at RBN are working class. JB has, has talked about like what it's like living in poverty. He's talked about that on stream. So do you see them have any of us on No. And crystal ball follows RBN. So what does that tell you? So well, that, that's that's the thing.
12: Alvarez, right? I mean, he—I guess he's kind of different, but like, he's bringing on. I mean, and then they've had Jordan Cheriton on, but Jordan Cheriton, I think, is doing more of the work of actually getting out and talking to people. Um, yeah,
0: but Jordan Sheraton, with all fairness, and I've talked to Jordan. Jordan Cheriton is not working class either. Like this, this is the thing. Like, I'm sorry, but this needs to be called out. Anybody notice them ignoring an entire black working class network? Nobody sees this again. she knows who we are. She follows r b n on Twitter. They know exactly so there... who we are okay
12: so is your is your is your beef more that they're not bringing r b n on
0: It's not just r b n there's also people like black um black power media. they're a working class black network too. Do you see them come on? no. So what's it really about? Like, you can't just bring on these people who are part of your class. And the only time you bring on working class and poor people is when they're trying to unionize or they started a union or, like you said, people getting evicted. No, like, listen, people don't have to have a Ph.D. to be intelligent. And, and, I, and I, for one, have a master's degree. But still. You don't have to be, if you listen to RBN, some of the things that we've talked about, like on that show, do you hear those things being talked about in other spaces in left independent media? No, you don't. That's why we created RBN. Hmm. So it's just, it's, it's, it's very telling.
12: That's fair. That's fair. Interesting.
0: Okay. Well, I
12: appreciate you having me on. I uh, always love uh, hearing what everyone has to say. And uh, I can't wait to go back to the, the comments section so people can rip me the fuck apart. So uh, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, bye. I'm sorry, bye. Um. <laughs> nah, baby,
12: I'm into it. It's whatever. I'm a mess. this. <laughs> <kiss. laughs> All right, have fun. All
0: right. Bye. Okay. All right, guys, I do have to wrap up soon because I did just notice the time. But okay, Eric, Eric, you already spoke. Uh, so I'm gonna go to Sinwe. We're gonna try it again, Sinwe. Can you um? Try to unmute. I'm not gonna be able to get through everybody tonight because I did just notice the time. But go ahead.
13: All right. Um. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Call Yeah, the calling app on my end was acting weird. So here I am. I think um, they did. You know what, way? I think they
0: did an update. When I I logged on, it said new update. Sometimes when that happens, it oh, <laughs> sometimes it can be a little buggy. I'm sorry.
13: Yeah. All right. So this is about. And yeah, I'm going to talk about, like, the, uh, China warmongering BS. Um, and I think the main thing I want to talk about is, uh, so, how the heck am I going to explain to my brother that this whole war is... It just trying to get, like, them to understand that the U.S. is a warmongering mongering country, and there, we have nothing to... And this whole China is the enemy thing is just not it. Um, because, so, he is a Navy officer. And, well, lately, he, uh, the few times he's brought up is, like, he's, like, he's, like, he says things like TikTok, collecting data, and I'm, like, dude, Apple, Google, and other American-based tech companies are already collecting our data. So, we're not much one to talk. For example. Um. And, like, I'm, just don't know how to say to him or, well, get him to understand. Because, he is, he only trusts reliable sources, and sadly, I don't think all, me using alternative media is gonna sway him so would this be a case of i'm gonna have to like just keep distance from him especially when it comes to this kind of stuff
0: oh, same way uh you know i understand where you're coming from i will tell you it's hard when they're in the military because they're they're a part of that machine right like they're Told like this is their job. This is what they're supposed to do. Uh, I'm like I told you. Like my dad was in the military before, um, and he felt very differently during the time he was in than when he retired. He he feels very differently uh, about the U.S. government and the military now. Um he I mean, he had time to reflect on it, like you know, like after he retired, but when you're in like you're told like from day one from like boot camp, right that you're supposed to serve and protect your country, that we're the best country that America first, that you're going over there to to help the women and the children and all that stuff, and you know, and then my dad uh you know went over there and realized like yo we're not helping anybody over here we're we're not helping people, innocent people are being killed, so it it is hard. To 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 have that conversation with them right now because he's still a part of it you can't introduce mm-hmm. him to independent media he still may push back because again like that's his job and then he might kind of look at it as though so does that make me a bad person because i'm in the military and and i gotta tell you guys like i totally understand some people join the military because like it's an option for them to get out of a position that they may be in right like Where- i join the military yeah. they give me health insurance i can get a free college education in- if i want to
13: in my, in our case, we we actually come from a well-off family, it's just that, uh, okay, so the only thing, uh, wrinkled in that is that we came from, we, our parents divorced, uh, our dad was a narc, or, I a like, narcissist, and he and my brother butt so he was not on a, my brother was, and also combined with him being a teenager, was going through, like, discovering rebellious and, Um, he made connections with those in Taekwondo, like the master with the black belt. He was in the military. Uh, He connected my my brother with military people and uh, basically straightened my brother out. He now had like a straightforward path, basically. So that's why he ended up uh, going into ROTC and becoming an officer. So there's that. But there's also the
0: perks. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I don't want to say that they're brainwashed, but they're, this is what they're trained to believe. Like my dad, mm-hmm. my dad didn't tell me about the things that they did in basic training until after he retired. Mm-hmm. And some of the things they did, I was like, yikes. I don't know how people can, can get through that. And my dad was like, some people didn't. Some people cried the first day and went home.
13: Uh, so basically, reading. Training- <laughs> So is there more to basic training than just intensive exercises? Yes. Oh, it's using a gun?
0: Well, it's like the way my dad explained it is sometimes some of it is psychological. Some of it is mental. Oh, geez. It's like they, they try to, my the way my dad described it, and you got to keep in mind, this was a long time ago. But the way my okay. dad described it is that they were basically trying to break you because they're basically trying to see are you tough enough if if you have to go to war are you tough enough to to fight and and things like that so my dad said like on the first day of basic training some people cried and went home because they couldn't get through not because of the physical the physical task but because of the mental
13: task Oof. yeah yeah i see oh boy yeah um and so i guess i'll have to keep those things in mind but um this would be especially important for me it's like i'm mentioning going to china uh connect, reconnect with our roots oh, oh no i forgot to mention that we're half chinese so that's even more of a what's the word irony or something like that but then again other people in the mil- us military are also like have chinese or like probably some asian or chinese so
1: okay
13: oh okay okay so and and the master in fact is like what korean too so it's like you know the military is very diverse (laughs) anyways so and that has led me to some my head my mind playing scenarios of like of Expressing my want to go to China to again to reconnect roots and learn about our grandparents, aren't grandparents, and how he, Jay's gonna feel about this with all the <sighs> xenophobia going around. Uh, just yeah, I get. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it. He's like, okay. I I mean, at best, he's probably gonna say, okay, okay, but just. Be careful and be mindful and all that stuff. I mean, I'm gonna. Oh, you probably be
0: safer, that. you'd probably be safer over there than, than here in the United States, depending oh, yeah. on what
13: city you live in. Oh my god, it's yeah. just... I'm in so I'm in Maryland, so uh, okay, so that's fine. But speaking of safety, um, I don't look it. I, I said before I'm half Chinese, but um. Even, so, I don't have the, like, Chinese phase that I can that ride. But I would get, I would be, like, self-conscious of, like, when those attacks ramp up again, like they did when <sighs> COVID going around. So, yeah, here just, it's going to get very, very crazy. Yeah. Mention Not to mention,
0: too, um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of... uh there was a lot of uh, hate towards Chinese people, at, yeah. particularly at the university that I was working at at the time oh. uh, during the pandemic. They were getting attacked. Some of the Chinese students were getting attacked on campus and oh um, some of the students were blaming them. They said, it's it's your fault that we're in this position, you know. So you take that and then you also add the fear mongering about China, uh, mm-hmm. um, the the warlike uh, talk. It's It's a red flag for me. Again, it reminds me of some of the things I heard people saying after 9-11. And yeah, China hasn't and attacked us. And, and keep this in mind, China no. hasn't attacked us. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. But thank you thank you so much, Sinway. Thank you for having me on. Okay, uh, we have William. You just have to unmute. Hi,
14: Sabi, can you hear me? I can. Hi, good evening. Well, I know you got a couple of people waiting. I'll be as quick as I can. Um, uh, The World Economic Forum, uh, what you need to know about the Belt and Road Initiative. There's an article in 2018 and another one, 2022. And I would suggest people consider reading those and see the shift in the narrative. Very interesting. Um, I, I think... To put this into context, we have to remember, no Chinese person, Mexican, Guatemalan, ever stole any American's job. It was given away by a predatory corporatist that did it for imperialistic reasons. Do you follow what I'm saying? Shifting jobs over to China with the, and first the, the South, North American Free Trade Agreement that Ross Perot spoke against. Uh. You're going to hear a giant sucking sound, first our jobs are going to Mexico, then to Asia. I don't know if you remember him. And then you have the uh, Beijing Free Trade Agreement, the Asian Free Trade Agreement, now the Trans-Pacific Pact. So uh, the the American corporations working through the House and Senate got these bills to pass so that they can um, take uh, advantage of the inexpensive labor, uh, large labor pool. Pay the minimum, uh, not honor any labor uh, regulations or environmental. So this this is all about profiteering, you know. And what we have to keep in mind is that uh, 193 nations uh, all belong to the World Economic Forum. Um, and uh, Xi Jinping spoke in 2017, 2021, 2022. Trump spoke in 2020. Our American uh, corporations, as uh, I'm thinking of George Carlin, who owns America. I don't know if you've ever seen his skit. Kind of raunchy, but I think hits the mark. Where uh, all these international trade agreements are done, uh, uh, and the reasons we really go to war, you know, are are not – a they're not about God in in the sense of a spiritual thing, protecting people, bringing democracy. You know, it's about gold, oil, and drugs. You know, God, gold, oil, and drugs. Um, uh, Resources, uh, plundering, whether it's Central America when it was, uh, you know, coffee and fruit plantation, uh, anywhere, 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 wherever we go to Haiti or Hawaii, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and, And it's very unfortunate, but so anyway, I could ramble on, I'll not I'll stop there because I know you have other people waiting, but uh, consider uh, World Economic Forum, what you need to know about the Belt and Road Initiative and uh, you'll see an interesting shift in narrative and then uh, and, and the articles speak for themselves. I, I I couldn't do them justice in a short time. Do you know what I mean? So I appreciate you taking the call.
0: Thanks so much, William. I appreciate that. That was really interesting um okay sam you already uh spoke so roger i'm gonna bring you in roger you're gonna have to be the last caller because it's it's almost midnight
4: you just have to midnight. unmute you
0: okay. just have to unmute uh, can you hear me yeah i can hear can you me. Hear me now yeah i can
15: hear you oh okay um i'm on speakerphone am i echoing because i know last time i was echoing
0: do i sound good you sound fine, it's just echo when I uh, speak. If you're you sound fine, it's just echo when I speak. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, so you
15: definitely were on the ball before I was about um, breaking points and SA- sagar and all that. Um, see, because the, the way I seen it before was I just saw it as Sagar talking about all the great things China is. At first, I never saw that as um, we need to build up our military to do action. I just saw that as we need to build up our domestic uh, uh, capacity, like what they're doing. Kind of like if me and you were were street racers, and I'm looking at I'm looking at savvy. You know, imagine savvy street racing. Um, I'm looking at savvy. She got you know her car is like looking real good. She souped it up and everything. I wasn't looking at it as I'm going to have to destroy her car. I was looking at it as, okay, now I'm going to have to step up my game and suit, and suit my car up. You see what I'm saying? So you was, yeah, you, you was, you was ahead of me on that, you know, regarding that Cause I didn't, I didn't really see it yet. Um, as far as the worker thing, yeah, I've seen them had union people on their show and, um, yeah, I definitely agree where they should have them on more, more, not just when they're trying to unionize and so on and so forth. Um but I want to ask, did, did what happened with Jay Z? Did, did I must have missed that? Did Jay Z say something or do something?
0: <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> oh, but, I'm gonna meet the, you really quick, Art oh, I'm so gonna meet to you echo. really quick, Art right, Rogers, surrounded so get the echo. Okay. Okay, yeah, so I just muted you really quick. Yeah, he hosted... Yeah, he hosted... Whoa. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Okay. He hosted... Oh, Roger, can you mute yourself? Oh, Roger, can you mute yourself? Okay. Um, Jay-Z hosted, I believe this... It looked like a Twitter space. DJ Khaled was in the Twitter space, and so was... There was a reporter from MSNBC too, I can't remember his name. But if you go watch the segment that me and JB did today on RBN, it's called Jay-Z Has 99 Problems. And we went over the 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 Twitter Space video. And basically long story short, Jay-Z was basically saying that he doesn't like people I guess smearing him as a capitalist, like using that term capitalist and saying eat the rich. And that he grew up poor. And because he grew up poor, that he made it out. And so it was like this bootstrapped mentality uh, talk. And it was a really turn off. And like, so people were giving him hell about that on Twitter, which rightfully so. And that's mainly what it was about. But the way it came across is he was saying that like, you know, they told us we could have the American dream, but people like me. They locked us out of the American dream. So then we finally got it. And then they invented words like capitalism, as if capitalism wasn't a word before Jay-Z was was rich. It was hilarious. It was really funny. But yeah, I think watch that segment and then you'll see it because basically he was using like this capitalist like approach of, I got mine, you need to go get yours. And it it turned people off. So people were criticizing him on Twitter. And I think I got to bring you, uh, back in I I brought you back in as a speaker to invite to speak so you just got to accept that and then you'll come back in
1: oh maybe I did this wrong okay yeah oh, I just gotta unmute
0: okay yeah I just gotta unmute uh, do you hear me now you hear me yeah I can hear you oh I don't think you yeah heard. I can hear you oh okay good good Hi, you.
15: I see a bus stop sign IDK, if that helps. Um, okay, so that's interesting. So let me, let me just tell you from my experience, um, from just watching Jay-Z throughout his career. Um, what do you call it? During when, on, when he was on the come up, him and Dame Dash, and
1: pull
15: on the left. him and Dane Dash, right? Um, before they split, there was a documentary where they was talking about, you know, about how they, how, you know, he had battled LL Cool J, he, they used to, he used to catch LL coming out the club when they was gonna come up and battle him and beat him, and LL would be like, yeah, but I have a deal, and blah, 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 whatever, right? But during that documentary, when they had split, Dame Dash, they, you know, like, was like, I don't know this dude anymore, you know, they, like, because Dame Dash was trying to go in a more black-owned, um, black, you know, like, Black-owned direction, and he saw he was going in a more corporate direction. And the last time they met or saw each other was on the elevator, and Jay-Z was dressed up something decent, and he was Dame da- Now, understand, have I have really have no love
1: for Roosevelt Dame Dattie Dash because he he doesn't respect lane.
15: his uh, his employees. But that's a that's a different story altogether. He was talking about oh, you're not a real man if you wor- if you work for somebody and blah blah blah. But anyway, he was looking at um. You know, like he was looking at a uh uh he was looking at him in the elevator and he didn't say anything. The elevator open, he just walked down. And he was just like, I don't know this dude anymore, you know. Using so the left lane, he left saw it way Avenue. back then. Um, also, uh, yeah, oh, we, yeah, I told you, I told you this before on, on the little super chats or whatever the case was, was that, um. He just like the YouTube algorithm suppresses you guys and elevates others. They was doing payola, you know, like him and Dame Dash was doing payola at Hot Hot ninety seven back in the in the in the uh, late nineties. You know, Pain Pain Funk Master Flex and no no I can't prove it. It's hard to pay payola, but it's like one of those things that you know and don't know. Whatever the case is, it's kind of like unspoken, but. They was they was paying off, you know, Tracy Clority, the um who was the program director and then paying off, you know, uh Angie Martinez and and Watson an, and um Funkmaster Flex and all that stuff. Uh so it's not like it was like, "Oh, I bootstrapped my way." No, you cheated. You know what I mean? Cuz I remember uh Wu-Tang Clan pe- members of Wu-Tang Clan and I remember Nas and 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 like others were um what, what, You know, you and and the locks used to beef about that all the time. You see what I'm saying? And then he goes and gets uh, a deal with Def Jam when he when he's like the CEO or whatever the case was. And him and L.A. Reid um, were were running um, Def Jam at some point. And they were suppressing. Jay Z was suppressing everybody else's albums from coming out, like Method Man and LL, and and you know all of them or whatever the case was. And you know, it's LL got, LL right got pissed and made and you know made it like this song calling him and in, in LA Reed, doofy and goofy. So, you, you know what I mean. So it's you know it's like it's not that oh I I worked hard or whatever the case was. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of cheating going on, and a lot of and a lot of cutting throats. <laughs> so, you know, but just going back to breaking points real quick because I'm getting ready to pick up my customer. Um, I noticed. I haven't seen funky academic on breaking points ever since they um been on there. Um so, you know, if if I had a chance to speak to um what do you call it? I think we should what is it? Breaking Points is doing this tour. I think one of us should get on that tour and ask Saga, "Hey, you want war with China or say is China, is war with China completely off the table?" So, you know, for you. And, just something interesting
0: uh, points you know interesting
11: points so you know oh my customer just canceled
15: (laughs) but yeah so that's pretty much you know um i really don't got that you know much to add about you know I, i like some of breaking point segments i don't agree with all of them um but we need to stop worrying about what other people are doing and, and build city out field, city our field own executive shit. Offices. Stop worrying about what other people are doing, you know, we gotta I did see some warmongering motherfucker on there at one time talking about, oh uh, he said something about getting some minerals or some shit like that, oh we need to get that you know, so it's like, you know, like well, it was a yeah. while ago, but it was some, it was some pro anti-China, oh are you still there?
1: oh, yep. did I miss you? oh shoot, hold up I'm still here Uh oh. I don't know.
0: Uber cancellation suck. I don't know if. Hello? Hello?
1: Hello?
0: Did I. Oh, uh, all right. Is that better? Uh oh. Yeah, I Go
15: can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear
0: me? Yeah, I can hear you.
15: Okay. Yeah, my customer had called me when you was talking and then I, and I accidentally turned the volume all the way down the way I was holding the phone. So whatever you said, I didn't hear it.
0: <laughs> oh, I just said those are, those were good points. Like, what? yeah. Oh, it's, I just it's said a, those, are, those were good points. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting.
15: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so if Jay-Z
15: wants okay, to be Roger. A, a, me well, as a capitalist, well, that's what you like are. There's no such right thing ahead. as a leftist CEO. You know, that's why I laugh when Jake <laughs> thinks he's left and calling everybody else out. I'm like, dude, there's no such thing as a leftist CEO. Because th- the, the the whole structure is, is just different. You see what I'm saying? Because because if you're if if you're you know, like a CEO believes in I'm the top dog and no one is equal to me in the company. You know what I mean? So it's it's based on a hierarchical structure. You know what I mean? If you, uh, The only way you're a leftist is if you were to, um, what do you call it? Is if you were to transfer ownership. Yes, indeed. If you were to transfer ownership. Oh, here, you put this in. There you go. Thank you so much. If you were to put, I mean, if you were to um, transfer ownership to your workers and then now your company i mean and now your company is owned by the workers and you're still not a leftist ceo because you're no longer a ceo head to your drop-off at
0: 193
15: gates avenue so that's about it i got my customers
0: i gotta be out (laughs) okay thanks so much roger are you there okay thanks so much roger okay Okay. oh i gotta hang up
15: right oh thanks hanging up yep
0: Okay, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. I'm going to head out. It is midnight. Guys, please have a good day. I'll be back live again tomorrow uh, evening. And then I'll be heading to Camp Dada for some more direct action. So have a good night, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out.